when there is a hot temper that's about to boil over, sometimes introducing even a small diversion can help things cool enough to help stabilize the situation. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks. Growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We're up to the Parsha of Shlach, the portion that has within it the story of the spies sent to check out the land of Israel, investigate the details of the land, and unfortunately, 10 of the 12 come back with a negative interpretation of what they saw. And most tragically, their interpretation is accepted by good numbers of the children of Israel who break down in distress and despair over this bad news. Well, one of the two kosher righteous spies, Kalev, attempts to reduce the negative energy over here. And the text describes Vayahas Kalev. Kalev hushed the people, El Moshe, to Moshe. What is this hushing the people to Moshe? Rashi describes his tactics. Here, the people are all rallied up, eager to find more and more complaints against Moshe. So Kalev builds on his energy, kind of a, a judo move, where he takes the energy and then twists it. He jumps up and he declares, is this all that Ben Amram, that the son of Amram, Moshe, has done for us? Is that all he's done for us? With the people expecting that he's going to levy yet another charge against Moshe. Is this all that he's done for us? Hasn't he, in fact, also split the sea, provided us the manna, which is our daily sustenance? And he turns, instead of in further challenge against Moshe, now that he has their attention, to a counter challenge. Can Moshe be wrong about the land of Israel? Hasn't he been there for us? Isn't he providing for us now? Now, ultimately, this didn't really work, or so it seems. Because if we continue on the next verses, the people reject Kalev and they turn back to the message of the spies and they cry once again. So was it worth it? Did Kalev accomplish anything? Was this really something for which he is to be acknowledged? Sages say that, in fact, very much so. One approach described in the writings of Rav Moshe Feinstein in Blessed Memory, he describes that the interruption in the negative energy There's a reduction, there's a shift, and for the moment, even if it's temporary, for the moment they're no longer wicked, for the moment the people are no longer challenging and defiant of Moshe and ultimately of God. So for the moment, he has rectified the situation, he has given them merit. Instead of being X hundreds of doses of evil for each of the statements and each of the moments involved in their challenge against Moshe and God, there's an interruption, and there are moments where they are neutral, and they're listening to Korach, they're, I'm sorry, to Kalev. They're evaluating his message. So he has shifted them from being evil in the moment to being positive. I don't recall, actually, if Moshe Feinstein brings the following, or if I saw it in another text, where they make reference to the fact that the famed Chafetz Chaim, living about 100 years ago, right in Lithuania, and of the key sages of Europe, ultimately of the world, was very involved in trying to see to it that kosher food could be provided to the soldiers, the Jewish soldiers in the Polish army. There were many Jewish soldiers, despite you know, themselves were trapped in this situation due to the draft and the long draft into the Polish army. And the Chavetz Chaim, the, the, the Mayor Kagan of, of Radin, 
was involved with many others in lobbying, in fundraising, in traveling, in, in communicating many, 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 many hours over many, many weeks or months were dedicated to this cause. And finally, they were successful. But somebody came in to Chavetz Chaim and said, Rebbe, Rebbe, it wasn't worth it. It just didn't work. It was a failure. Because the soldiers, the Jewish soldiers, are eating the kosher food. And then they're still going into the regular commissary and getting their non-kosher dinner. It's all that effort, and it was a waste. So which the Chaim, Chavetz Chaim commented, a waste? Aren't they at least eating less of the non-kosher food? And that's a value. If there's less negative, that's a positive. In a parallel idea, in the work Otsur Satora, a Rav Zaychik is quoted, who sheds light on this vayahas, on this hushing of the people, and the silencing of them, and the positive outcome, even if ultimately the story ends on a sour note. Uh, a parallel, the Chavetz Chaim idea of the Ramosha Feinstein message, that's coming from the approach that ultimately there's ne- less negative. This is a slightly different approach in terms of the the emotion of anger and the, the issue of temper. And they describe that people were built up to a certain degree of anger, temper, resentment, challenge. And then that was stalled for the moment, put on pause. And when it's put on pause, by definition, there's some degree of cooling off. The, the pressure isn't building any longer. The, the, the pressure's been building up. The person's ready to explode. And as long as there's a pause, some of the steam dissipates and the temper is no longer in its heightened state. Okay, true, they got angry again afterwards and cried again afterwards and were in despair afterwards, but it wasn't the cumulative effect of the buildup of moment after moment after moment of uninterrupted anger and temper. As a parallel, it makes reference to a partial coming up in just a few weeks where Bilam is hired, Bilam the evil uh, prophet of the nations is hired by the leadership of Moab and Midian to curse the Jews. And initially, at least, we find that the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian are there as a team to hire Midian, to Moab, sorry, to hire Bilam to curse the Jews. But after Bilam said, okay, I hear, but give me through the night, I need to get God's input over here, and then I'll report back and tell you where I stand. After that, we no longer have the elders of Midian involved in this story. They seem to have disappeared. The commentators explain they actually did. Because they thought to themselves, he's waiting for God's message. God describes himself as the loving father of the Jewish people. Is a father going to hate his child? Is a father going to destroy his child? What are we bothering with this whole project for? We're asking that he utilize God to destroy God's own dear child, not going to work, and they leave. So the question is asked, well, why did they approach Bilam in the first case? It's a very logical thought on their part. It's a good theory to expect that God is not going to let them get away with this. But why now? Why didn't they think of this initially? He describes that when you get caught up in an idea, caught up in emotion, caught up in your anti-Israelite, Hard for anybody listening to this today to imagine that there's ever such a thing in the world as anti-Semitism, right? But when they're in the mode, the emotional mode, emotional mindset of anti, you just run with that and you don't stop to think until they had to stop to think. Because Bilam said, 
hey guys, let me hear God out. I need a I need to take a break over here. So he put them on pause. They couldn't maintain their energy of, hey, let's go, let's fight the Jews, let's go get Bilam, because okay, we have to take a break while Bilam gets back to us. And when you have the break, when you pause, you can ponder. And when you ponder, you can come to logical conclusions that you just couldn't when you were caught up with the emotion. And just as over there, as when they pause and ponder, they realize this is futile. God's not going to let us get away with this. Let's just back out of this. So too, over here, Kalev, in that vayas and hushing them, he puts them on pause. Even if at the end of the day, they rebuild a negative energy, there's been an interruption and a dissipation of the of that buildup. And as such, he gets credit for reducing the temper and reducing the effect of the temper. We can't imagine. The outcome of the story was tragic. How much more tragedy, how much more severe it potentially would have been if the buildup was uninterrupted. With that thought in mind, we sometimes face situations that we encounter temper. We may be encountering it from the inside out. We find ourselves with a temper brewing, anger, frustration, and it's building and building and building and we're about to pop. Or we may be witnessing it. It may be a challenge against us or a challenge that we're witnessing against a third party. The vayas formula, that interruption that Kalev shares with us, the value of that interruption of putting it on pause, even if the pause may not clear the air and it may not negate the negative energy, but the pause eliminates that further intensity and intensification of the negative energy. And finding an excuse to put it on pause. Okay? I need to talk about I need to come back and discuss this in 10 minutes. I need to go take a walk. I need to do a little reset. Even if the fact is, I don't have an optimism that I'm going to negate the whole background and the whole source to whatever triggered that temper to start with. But can we put it on hold? Famous story of one of the sages of Europe who, when he was really, really disturbed, and any of his children, he would go, before he would prosecute and, and put forth any punishment, he would go change to a different jacket. He had his anger jacket in the closet. Because in the process of walking over to the closet to put on that jacket was room for that break, that interruption in the flow, that pause. And learning that vayahas kalevadiya, and whether it's the Ramosha Feinstein message in the fact that Okay, ultimately, the fact that there is no negative in this moment, that itself is a positive. And the idea that even if, in fact, the outcome of the story may be a negative, but that the negative is not as intense as it could have been, that those are both of great value. And if we can do that in those hopefully very, very, very rare cases, then we find ourselves in a situation that we are feeling like we just may lose some control, or we may say something we shouldn't say, or we may react a little more harshly than maybe justify it. If we can grab ourselves for the moment and force ourselves to take some type of break. Okay, story's not over over here, but I'm going to just take a drink of water, grab a coffee, do something before we continue the conversation and give room for a reset. If we can fill in that void with something positive, listen to some music, share a joke, do something that turns the emotion to a totally opposite emotion, how much more powerful. But even if we can't, even if we simply can't muster up 
the contrary energy to shift tracks, but at least to put on pause and to stall the negative energy can be of such value. In so doing, we will hopefully minimize the buildup of temper. In so doing, hopefully we'll find ways to introduce a positive between the two negatives and that's value in itself. And in so doing, we'll hopefully continue to grow to be the type of people who are all the more likely to achieve Aratakalus.